Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Southern California, where the sun has finally emerged from a short uh, spring shower. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project here in Harlem, which is where I'm coming from, Harlem. And um, it's I think it's about 40 degrees outside. I haven't been outside yet. I am sheltering in place. <laughs> and this is Seth Rodney. I'm a senior editor at the Hyper Allergic Online blog. And, well, I think I can still keep mentioning my book, which is published, what, May 31st of last year, Personalization mm -hmm. of the Museum Visit. And I am in the South Bronx where, you know, people, you know, are having a hard time with this thing, this pandemic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Um, and we are continuing our conversation about COVID-19. Um, and today, the, you know, kind of the theme uh, within that category is our secondary effects. So secondary social effects, secondary cultural effects. And I had, I'm going to just jump right in. So, because mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. we, we are on a really relatively short clock today. So, a lot of times we'll chit chat before we start the podcast. And so, I didn't really have a chance to talk to Stephen and Seth about mm -hmm. other than to propose the topic. So, I shared with the listeners and you guys a, a couple of weeks ago, we had the issue with our next door neighbor's son who came over and was being assaulted. And Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. This is not connected to that other than thematically. Um, we recently hired um, an employee at our company, like right before the pandemic shut everything down. And I'm not going to give the employee's name because I don't want to, um, uh, I mean, she uses a stage name, but I'm not going to, I don't want to give that person's name because I don't want to defame them. Mm. But uh, there were some red flags around her hiring, but nothing that would have precluded her hiring. And when I say red flags, it probably red is a little too, yellow flags, some cautionary flags about okay. ways that she was interacting with uh, employees, comments uh -oh. that were made to me. But again, not enough, enough that I thought, okay, well, we probably should keep an eye on this, but not enough that, you know, mm. I, I felt like we couldn't hire her. She had a very long and accomplished resume, a very good mm -hmm. musician, had some experience mm -hmm. teaching. Um, I, uh, My wife and I run a uh, music studio, primarily vocal for listeners that don't know that. And basically, at one point, got an email saying she was being displaced from where she was living because she had to start driving for Lyft because she wasn't getting enough hours, mm -hmm. um, and that she couldn't make it into her shift because of that. And I was, I was, of course, understanding. I was like, "That sounds awful." You know, let me know where you land, and let me know if you can be in next week. And you know, if you're able, essentially, to show up and keep your work, you know, I can advance you the money that you would be owed and pay you more quickly mm. so that you can try and help get back on your feet. And we had some back and forths around this. And leading up to her shift, we had no, all relatively positive communications leading up to her shift right before she was to start. She sent me a pretty curt, snarky email saying that she was being over-communicated with. We use uh, an app called Teams, which is kind of like Slack or whatever. It's a, mm -hmm. a way to cut down on internal communications. Micro Microsoft Teams. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what we, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a very common platform, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and and of course there are a lot of communications that go on on there. To be clear, I let everyone know that they are not expected to respond to these when they are not on the clock. Right? You're not at mm-hmm. work. You don't need to respond to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you might look at it. You mm-hmm. might not look at it. I don't really care as long as you're getting your job done. And and we also give people an additional hour or so on their time card to cover incidental communications around mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I, I was didn't like the snarky email and let her know that I did not like the snarky mm-hmm. email. Mm-hmm. And then got a series of emails in response to this. Anyway, oh, I'm giving oh, you the background. A, a, a mm-hmm. relatively... Mm-hmm. It's kind of a boring human resources like issue, right? This is not, this is like whatever. This is why, why are we talking about this? Well, on Saturday after I fired her after an unsatisfactory communication, mm-hmm. um, she snapped. So uh, I'm going to just give you the cliff notes because of time. Since that Saturday, she has sent us approximately 1,000 communications uh, between. Email, text, calls, voicemails. She began threatening Molly. Um, she began threatening me. She uh, used vo- voice modulating software to pose as a male, uh, like her brother and rest of her family. That was, uh, you know, essentially, you know, going to come kick my ass. And why won't I handle this? All these, um, all these ways that you try to. Like you essentially try to always try to emasculate a man, right? So the mm-hmm. the, the insults are always like you, you're. She's attempting to emasculate me either by, you know, saying I have a small dick, or I'm actually a coward, or wow. um, or hide behind my, and then and then attacking my wife, and then. And then posing as a man saying that she was she could satisfy my wife better than I could satisfy her. Wow. Um, and so like and, I mean, which is probably its wow. own interesting podcast, the, the ways that we the ways that we try to 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 cut undercut someone are usually around those kind of emasculations yeah. or mm-hmm. or or my possession, my possession. I'm using air quotes for the people who can't hear my possessions, right? My wife, like I can't take care of my business or whatever. Wow. So I mean, obviously nonsense. And I very infrequently engaged with her. I sent her a total of like I think three or four emails, mm-hmm. um, and you know we've been at four. So and and sent us hundreds of pictures of herself in front of our Costa Mesa studio, and so and we've had to get a restraining order and all this kind of stuff. So th- that's the background of why I I wanted to talk about sort of secondary effects, mm-hmm. the things that are happening now with her. And to be clear, I we are taking her threats credibly. Mm-hmm. I do not think that they are credible, though. I think that she is kind of a form of psychological terrorism. Right. And I think she's trying to rattle us, essentially. But we have to take it seriously. I've got employees. I have a small son. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's... Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And, and regardless of what physically, you know, whatever physical confrontation I could or could not handle, that doesn't mean that, like, something stupid or bad couldn't happen. Precisely. I mean, that's what, that's what, that's that's the the obituary you don't want to read, or that's the, like, oh, oh, it's too bad his windpipe was crushed and can't, you know what I mean? Right, right. I mean, or any number of other things. Right. Um, These are things that are not in your control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. they're just yeah. It's the, things are chaotic as soon yeah. as you get to that level of confrontation. Right. So it, it, anyway, the 
the thing that occurred to me about all this and what I wanted to talk about on the podcast is the reason that this is a problem, probably the reason that she has, and in her background, which I cannot obviously for privacy concerns say much about, but there is nothing in her background that would have precluded us from hiring her. Okay. Right? So we we do have access to that. There's no reason for us to have been suspicious about right. mm-hmm. what, you know, what she would, uh, that this would be the behavior that we would see. All of these things are a problem. So, like, we had an employee that was working out of one of our locations because they wanted to get out of the house and they were the only person there. So, and no one else is there. So, they could go to another space to be, you know, mm-hmm. by themselves mm-hmm. and get a little, you know, distance from their home. She can't do that. She was scared, doesn't want to go there. I can't have anyone else do that right now. Right. Mm-hmm. But these are all things that are a, a secondary effect of, of the pandemic. Mm. The decreased foot traffic, right. the the fewer people that are coming into contact with one another, and and here's the setup. And I apologize for the long the long intro to it. Is that the the reflex for all of this stuff is going to be, you know, people can't be trusted. You know, like oh yeah, lack of safety, all the rest of that. But the remedy is is to get is closeness. The mm-hmm. remedy is mm-hmm. is actually is is more foot the is more human interaction more human contact mm-hmm. but our reaction as we've known historically is to go in the opposite direction isolationism mm-hmm. arose partly out of the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic mm-hmm. and that is very likely that's going to be a likely outcome of this pandemic is people are going to want to isolate more. People are going to be more nervous about coming into contact with one another. Nations are going to be more skittish, like groups mm-hmm. are going to be more skittish. But really, the real danger, the reason that everything is is a heightened threat right now, other than the virus itself, is because we've separated ourselves. Yes, Yes. Because we're not in closer contact with one another. Mm -hmm. And that the thing that we actually should be doing in response to something like a pandemic is increasing the kinds of interactions and communications and networks that we Mm -hmm. have together, even though that's probably not what we're going to do. So anyway, anyway, that was my uh, I just wanted to see what you guys thought about, like, kind of how we're going to deal with, you know, the pandemic as the pandemic is ending, after it's ended, it's psychological effects on us. Um, yeah, anyway. Well, <laughs> it's the way that you trailed off with, even though that's not what we're going to do. <laughs> it was a very yeah. sad <laughs> down note. And I was like, yeah. no, 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 no. We can, the we, the royal we, the larger we, maybe not, but yeah. there just needs – those messages can't be said enough, I think. They cannot be yeah. said enough that we cannot – isolate ourselves so much, you know, after the pandemic or be so suspicious of people because it's just going to heighten our crazy. Like, I feel like your employee, who I don't know, obviously, was I was curious about just about how that all these things sort of happening to her, I guess, and then her sort of like blasting you guys as if you were the cause of these things. Like, it, it feels as if, I mean, it feels as if it, this moment is just heightening people's um, absolutely ability to kind of go. So you, it's funny because t- the people who I'm in that are my um, my orbit, I speak with them, and they basically sound the same. You know, they're irritated, they're frustrated, or they're depressed, or they're this, but they still maintain right. some sort of space 
you know, and I think it has a lot to yeah. do with communication. It has a lot to do with some of them are in relationships, um, a lot, and and some of them just have a way of going. We made it through other things. We can make it through this, and and, and quite honestly, you don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or you die, yeah. or you make it through. You know, so how do you want to make it through? <laughs> right, right. So right. people go, you know, you're strong. You're going to make it through. It's like I don't want to die. Okay. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, do I want to wear a red dress or a blue hat? You know, so yeah. it's focused and it's perspective so yeah i just feel like i've noticed that there's an increase in um at least in harlem some of the things i've witnessed where people are just yelling at each other i'm like it's COVID 19 it's not this thing over here it's not that big of a deal but it's a big of a deal because of the pressure and um the insanity of it all you know so so i think one of the ways that that could sort of encapsulate what your concern is, Travis, about um, our secondary secondary responses to the pandemic is the notion of stranger danger, right? Like that mm. comes into mm. full bloom. Yeah. The idea that people who you don't know pose some sort of threat to you. What I want to get at, though, is because I don't really understand, because there's a way in which what you said might be seen through a lens of right-wing conspiracy nuts who suspect that Dr. Fauci is just wrong about everything and (laughs) that we shouldn't have started the social distancing thing and we didn't need to go into quarantine measures. I'm just saying that when you say that people should be actually making their networks more robust and should be coming Uh, together. I mean, post, 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 post biological (laughs) contagion. I mean, that's what I got. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make that pandemic is best. And I also thought that you meant during this time in terms of the closeness, increasing their social interactions online and, you know, via phone and via text. That's why yeah. I thought you were getting that too, because yeah, that's, I do think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we need yeah. to do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for, if that wasn't clear, thank you for helping me clear for that. Yes, definitely don't mean that. right, therefore, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely don't mean that. So, so here's another, so here's a, a, a sort of more, I don't know. Well, here's another kind of sociological secondary effect, which I'm noticing. And that has to, which has to do with what I just said. Mm-hmm. There are certain key figures in the in the in the public arena, um, popular culture, who mm-hmm. are imagined to be know, thought leaders, gurus, um, mm-hmm. people. People generally tune in to hear what they have to say in a particular matter of which might be. I guess you could crudely call psychic public health. The people mm-hmm. like Dr. Phil mm-hmm. and Dr. Oz come to mind. And Dr. Burks and Dr. Burke. Right. <laughs> like what's ha- what's a secondary effect for me is coming to re- into a really clear realization that these people do- are not only do not they do not know what they're talking about, but they're dangerous. Like yeah. these people who would lead us down a primrose path of, oh, we're overreacting. This is too much. Economy, economy, gotta save it. I mean, and there's a way, and there's a way in which the kind of mercenary capitalism that we've always talked about being at the sort of heart and soul mm-hmm. of U.S. culture really rises to the surface here, right? Like it, it oh, is, yeah. it is, it is the yeah. most basic calculus that yeah. mm-hmm. profit is much more important not than a people little. it's significantly more important than oh, human yeah. lives yeah so so i 
I make I, I I try to make a discipline of taking the alternative argument seriously mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that that the economic effects are catastrophic enough to be a kind of slow should, death. Yeah, that they should now. To be fair, I, it, so I, I was just having this conversation with Molly about that. So I've I've followed some of these arguments. Mm-hmm. I check in on them, not the real nut jobs, but the people that are able to articulate their positions and cite some data and stuff like that. So this kind of dovetails into your your Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz uh, uh, observation. If you follow them, not even that far, right? I, I'm talking, you know, like. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, mm-hmm. either in video or reading, you eventually get to some nonsense. So, I, I, I mean, so like one of them <laughs> was this guy that was like, uh, he, I don't remember his credentials, sounded, his accent was German, but um, has worked with one of the statistical epidemiologists or biological statisticians, whatever their title is, for their discipline. Uh, I don't mean that dismissively. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. he's talking about herd immunity and... You know, and and very matter of fact terms. You know, pr- approximately two percent will die. We just need to be okay with this. This is how this is how coronavirus is spread through the population, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, I I that I don't want two percent of people to die. That seems like a lot to me, but all right, fine. But then it it gets into like, well, why are there glove shortages and mask shortages? It's like, well, all of this is all panic buying. There's not really a shortage. It's people like irrational Mm -hmm. behavior, hiding the supplies, hoarding the supplies. It's like, okay, all right, I'm out. Thanks. (laughs) So (laughs) at at a certain point, you know, and the same thing with, you know, uh, with Oz and Phil to try and draw a wider net with that. Mm -hmm. If... you end up with them, like, of course, have they done some positive public service mm-hmm. announcements or engagements not around COVID? They have, right? They, yeah. you know, but but they end up being too tied to nonsense right. that is just for popular appeal, mm-hmm. right? Or, yeah. or in this instance, I mean, maybe to get some airtime because they're being yeah. contrarian. Yeah, yeah, maybe that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that's all I, I just I just think I try, you know, you, I think, you know, it's an important part of of civil discourse to listen to the other side. Yes. And just to hear like what they're what is that position? Mm-hmm. OK, I definitely don't agree with that position. That's it's not <laughs> it's not filled with a sound argument. Um, would it but, would it be yeah. more sound if the approach were different? Like the ways in which the men that I followed or the um the stories that I followed, they were framed as, hey, people are gonna die. Let's get back to work. <laughs> that was largely <laughs> it. No compassion. No, hey, yeah. it's just sort of like the way of life. Some people are gonna die. They were gonna die anyway, these older people. You know, that kind of yeah. I was wondering yeah. if the approach were different, how would it land? Right? Because Again, so when people say this, I, I, I'm on Twitter, so some of the comments will be, let's see who dies in your family first. Let's see how mm-hmm. you deal with it more mm-hmm. personally. They try to take, you know, that's one of the rhetorical arguments. You go straight to mm-hmm. that person's life and say, what if your mom died and you were really close to her? Like, and how would you feel? Right. And so there's, um, it feels like the, I mentioned this last podcast, I think, where I said, our, our impatience about getting back to work makes us th- it, it's it's making us make mistakes not just mistakes but um really it does reveal who you are you know i guess mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and i'm not seeing these comments come from people who don't have a platform already 
You know, so these are congressmen, yeah. these are um, TV show hosts, Dr. Phil, who gave, I mean, not Dr. Phil, what's the other one, Dr. Oz, who had to be <laughs> pulled in front of the congre- uh, a congressional hearing to admit that he did not know what he was talking about <laughs> in mm. this case years ago. So, but but he has a platform and there are people who are going yeah. to listen to him and think, yeah, maybe we're overthinking this or maybe we do need to get back to work because one, it's... It's the habit. It's the body habit. So what are we rushing back to and what's untenable? Because we've mm-hmm. seen what's untenable. No mm-hmm. universal health care. Lots of folks who um, lived in um, substandard housing who were going to infect each other. There's this one black health care worker who lost his mom and his brother in the same week. Yeah. Like there were these yeah. mo- these stories yeah. are really yeah. affecting and powerful and depressing, but they're in, in, not enlightening, but, th- but they shine a light on what's happening. With mm-hmm. us in very mm-hmm. personal ways. So, so to get back to the theme, I want to suggest then mm-hmm. that that what the conversation has done is made me think that there's sort of two simultaneous arguments being made that are actually kind of contravening, sort of. In that, I think Travis is right in mm-hmm. suggesting that what we need to do is be more tightly knit as a human family mm-hmm. um, in order to mediate these kinds of moments of psychosocial break um, yes. mm-hmm. uh, to, 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 or to mm-hmm. prevent them from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, moments where we start to see each other as just enemies. Or, um, but then at the same time, in those gatherings around people like Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil, you have another kind of contagion being spread, which is the contagion of nonsense, of ignorance, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and those in those social groups, the people are quite happy to engage in um, unsupported, um, uh, fantastical um, mm-hmm. um, conspiracies and happy to spread them. So, yeah. mm-hmm. it, 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 I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is that it depends on what network one or one or what neighborhood or what community one belongs to, whether or not you really need to be spending other spending time with those people <laughs> in that community. Right. Yeah. You know, well, the, the thing I had thought of, I mean, that's a fair question. The thing I had thought of though, is, you know, the reason, one of the reasons that they, those figures have the platform that they do. And to a certain extent, the reason that, Trump has the platform that he does mm-hmm. is what they are peddling is a kind of optimism, but it's an optimism for Trump that is dependent on doing things his way. Right. And for them, for Oz and Phil, you know, it's it's almost kind of a flavor or version of a gospel of wealth. I mean, I would probably need a little bit more time to flesh out that argument, but mm-hmm. um, and to, to bring it to the on the personal level so you know we've got 16 17 employees like when i was sharing with them what had happened with this employee i had to draw i had to have a balance between like letting them know that things are going to be okay and that we're taking measures but mm-hmm. that also to take it seriously that she's back crazy to, yeah. yeah yeah and to yeah. be careful <laughs> and so but you were i worry about you know, scaring people. And right. I worry about, you know, then people overreacting to to the threat. But 
and so there's it's a balancing act when you're trying to communicate to people, right. you know, and, and it really comes out to like, for me, at least in those situations, it's always like, okay, the, the tie goes to talking to people like they're an adult, you know, like, mm-hmm. if you're not sure what to say, it's like, okay, would I want another adult who I assume is a rational and irrational and responsible person to make their decisions know this information? Mm-hmm, and, you know, mm-hmm, the answer mm-hmm. is yes. And so then, you know, you share the information. Uh, and I don't think that that's the worldview that a lot of people that are in leadership in this country operate from. Oh, I really no, don't. No, no, I don't no. think. I don't think you have a lot of evidence. That's how they think about things. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Do what I say. Isn't that leadership? Yeah. Do and, don't ask too, and, don't, and don't ask too many questions Can about I have how all the money from this. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Sure. I'm the CEO. I, I deserve right. this. I did this. Right. Right. Mm. But there's also, and there's also this other thing that happens. There's all this. I'm reminded of something that happened when I was an undergrad and I'll make this, try to make this anecdote quick. It was a special semester where there was a bunch of students from around the country invited to come to LIU Brooklyn to spend time. I forget what the theme was, but it was sponsored by our honors program. And I was one of the, I was a member of the honors program at the time. And so I was involved in this big international, uh, national semester thing. And there was a guy who came from, and I don't remember where. It wasn't that far away. It wasn't like it was out west in California or something. It was from some Midwest state or maybe Northeast state, but it was not New York. So he got here and um, he got here early and he wanted to, I guess, explore the city, Brooklyn. And he wanted to go to some place, some landmark places. So I told him about, I think I told him about juniors. I think I told him about some theater. I don't, I don't, maybe BAM. I don't really remember. But I got mm-hmm. a phone call in my dorm room at some point when he was in Brooklyn. Now, mind you, at this point, I'm 23, 24. Okay. And he's probably 19, 20, something like that. And he gets, he calls me from somewhere in Brooklyn, not, not too far from where LIU is. And he says, yeah, can you help me? I'm kind of lost. I don't know how to get my way back. And I'm like, well, do you know, are you near Flatbush Avenue? We went back and forth for a while. And I gave him the landmark and I said, well, you can just take Flatbush Avenue, walk down until you hit blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and you're here. And Bob's your uncle. And he said, <laughs> actually, uh, can you, can you come get me? And I said, Mm. no i don't remember what i was doing (laughs) but i just thought you're you're a grown-ass man like i don't need to come (laughs) get you (laughs) because Ah. you're in where i mean it'd be different if like you were in brownsville and you were like under fire like you were taking <laughs> you were, right, right, like right. snipers Air on the roof or something. Right, 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 right. But I'm like, dude, just walk the fuck down Atlantic and get to whatever. But I'm gonna yeah. die. Dude, what happened was I found out the next day that he had some kind of mental break. He called his mom. His mom had to come get him. Oh. Got him and took him back to wherever they were from. And I never saw the guy. So, like, literally oh. my only interaction with him was on the phone. So that's to say that there are times when we make the... And you're, we're right to make the assumption that we're talking to another adult human being when we are. But some can't handle the most basic responsibilities, yeah. i.e. the responsibility for themselves. And, I, yeah. and what I want to say is people like Trump, people like Mnuchin, people like Gingrich, people like the whole Fox News Network, Take advantage of precisely those people. Oh, I agree. I definitely agree. Yeah. 
I, I want to say something about responsibility very quickly, and I want to um, say that I was a part of a group of people who got together and did a a, um, a zine called uh, COVID Doula, and it comes mm. out of a group uh, called mm. um, a group called What Would an HIV Doula Do? I did some hmm. work with them years ago. Re- you've so. mentioned this before. You've mentioned yeah. this before. Yeah, yeah I wrote a piece for them and yeah. also interviewed the curators who were part of an exhibition that, that started mm-hmm. down at the Lesbian Gay Center and then it ended mm-hmm. up at mm-hmm. the One Archives in Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. one of the curators, um, actually all the curators were involved, and they asked me if I wanted to contribute to this zine. And, and the zine is really beautiful. I'm going to send it to both of you. COVID doula. What does a COVID-19 doula do? How do people mm-hmm. help each other get through this experience? Yeah. I just want to read one thing very quickly from the editor, actually one of the editors, Catherine Cheers, uh, Mm -hmm. talking about the body in the time of COVID-19. And then she talks about a photo. So actually, this is, I apologize. Let me back up. I love her, but this is not exactly what I wanted to say. Um, But I wanted to share what... Theodore, another editor, said, The zine is a snapshot of a time from our community responding in words, actions, and images to the unfolding, unprecedented global crisis we find ourselves in. The first half of the zine is rooted in our exhibition, Metanoia Transformation Through AIDS, Archives, and Activism. And the second half are responses from our Metanoia and What Would a HIV Doula Do communities responding to the prompt, What Does a COVID-19 Doula Do? And so I wanted to... um, if anyone wants a copy of this, I can send it to them. I'm very happy to do so. It's um, a PDF. It's quite beautiful, but it's they caught all of us at a particular time. Some of us talked about we were concerned about our elders. I had some concerns about masks and other things, but also about like it just feels like to go back to what you said earlier, Travis, about our communities need each other more now than ever, and I. Mm. And that <laughs> um, it felt like a not a joke, but it felt like um, a direct. And no, it isn't. And no, it's not a conspiracy. I just have to say it. It just feels like these com- people are starting to talk about these things and get together and be together. And then you have this thing that necess- necessitates that they de- their lives could be on the line if they don't separate, if they mm. don't maintain social distance. Mm. And so fortunately, yeah. there's Zoom, Skype, texting, phone calls, and people connecting with each other because it's been a very difficult time. I'll mm. send this... Um, the PDF to you. If there are any of our listeners want, please um, contact us. Contact us, and I'll send you uh, the zine. And I ex- and I really encourage people to write down and record their own experiences around this, because I think it's it, mm-hmm. it's it's really a teaching a teachable moment. But what it teaches you is going to be very unique. It won't be the same thing for all of us. But it's and something just, to yeah, really I, think yeah, about. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I just want to put a, sm- a slightly finer point on that. You said that the editor's name was Theodore. Theodore what? Kerr. K-E-R-R, yes, Theodore Kerr. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, So we we probably have to wrap up. And Mm -hmm. actually, I I really appreciate both of those closing remarks uh, and only want to add, like, the solution is is drawing closer together, uh, even amongst strangers. uh, Yeah. And really really it's our social networks that will sustain us um, Mm. and that, you know, moving apart and attenuating ourselves is the wrong uh, sociological response to this. Yeah, Agreed. I'll say it's and, wrong. I, yeah, it's wrong. And when mm-hmm. and while we do that, let's just keep an eye out for the profiteers. Yeah, 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 they are sure. robbing us. They're trying to rob us left and right <laughs> and Woo. center. Yes, and center. Yes. Yeah, before, during, Thanks for and the after. Conversation, guys. Yep. <laughs> Take care. Yeah. Take care. All right. Bye.